0: When Glenda was 14, she used her diary to ponder mortality.
1: Dear diary, it's Valentine's Day and I realize today that I am going to die alone. (laughs) I'm going to die a withered old lady with feisty cats and bony dogs. In a dingy 3,000 square foot apartment.
0: That's Glenda reading from the diary she kept when she was 14. And this? Well, this is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Grown-Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is exactly what it sounds like, a live open mic event where courageous adults get on stage to share cute little kid writing and angsty teen writing and everything in between. This time recorded live at Electric Owl in Vancouver, BC, we have angry live journals, a poem about losing your virginity, and a dead moose carcass. This stuff is weird, it is angsty, it is awkward, but there's a lot we can learn from our former selves. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. A minute ago, we heard from Glenda, who predicted she would die alone in a dingy 3,000 square foot apartment. But that wasn't the only aspect of her adult life, she predicted at 14. Here's Glenda, live on stage in Vancouver, with a few more predictions.
1: I'll live next door to one of my brothers and his happy family, and they'll have my niece or nephew visit me every week to check if my oxygen tank is leaking. (laughs) They're gonna invite me over for Christmas dinner every year out of pity and they'll hate how much I keep yakking about the good old days. (laughs) I'll die by slipping on the bathroom floor while they are away on vacation. (laughs) And by the time they discover me, my body would have been half-eaten by cats. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, have I told you that I got my braces last week? My teeth feel confused. (laughs) They hurt a lot. The person who invented braces must have had a bad childhood.
0: Glenda was not the only reader at our Vancouver show who wrote about mortality. When our next reader, Maria, was 12, she had two tomato plants. That's right, tomato plants. And she wrote about them in her diary.
2: Wednesday, April 24th. Yesterday, I found out the most horrible news. Tomato plants are annuals. Annuals! (laughs) My mom told me this, and I sat there and I cried on the porch. Um, That means Timothy and Mary are going to die before winter, and I thought we'd be best friends for a long time. (laughs) Oh, well, I guess that life for plants is just like that, huh? (laughs) Wednesday, June 19th. Something big happened today. Something that I was very scared of getting. My period. Oh. That's right, today 6 6.40 p.m. I found out about it. Yuck. I'm definitely not happy. One minute I'm feeling like, hey, it's not a big deal, every girl gets it. Another minute I'm like, oh my God, this is huge. How am I ever gonna go back to regular life? <laughs> Can't wait for menopause. can't be a worse time to get this, too, because my class is going swimming on Friday. I can't go... What do I tell my friends? I could say food poisoning. No, I've decided not to tell my friends. I decided this is definitely not the time to make life and death decisions and say something I'd regret. Worst of all worst, how do I tell mom? I have to tell her today because she has to write a note saying I can't go swimming. Oh, gosh. I'll update you on my critical conditions soon. Bye. Friday, June 21st, you know what mom's reaction was when I told her about it? She was excited. And then capital letters, why? She said, oh you're so big, that's what everyone's mom says, I wonder why moms get all excited.
0: Over the years at Grown Ups Read Things They've heard As Kids, we've heard a lot of teenage writing about love and romance, and if there is one theme that runs through almost every single journal and diary entry we have heard on that subject, it is confusion. Complete and utter confusion. When Nathan was 17, he kept a live journal online, which he used to document, among other things, his love life. Now, a quick heads up: Nathan wrote these live journal entries when he was a teenager, and he uses some angry teenager language, cuss words, which we do not bleep. He also acknowledges the existence of sex. Okay, there's your heads up. Here's Nathan.
3: Uh, April twenty second, two thousand four, nine twenty p.m. Mood: confused. <laughs> Everyone I know is a giant fucking hypocrite. <laughs> She, capital S-H-E, is the big problem. I just called her to see how she's doing, and she talks to me like I'm a telephone survey caller. I really don't know who she is anymore. I bet she's having sex with some other guy who's probably better than me or something. I seriously do not want to see her tomorrow. I just wish I could go to sleep and not wake up. I really want to break something or talk to someone who cares. But right now, there's no one... Dot, dot, dot. I hate her. And right now, I totally mean it. This is shit. April 28th, 2004. 11.04 p.m. Mood. Also confused. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? I'm screwing everything up. She's so amazing, and I'm being a total ass munch. This is why I hate MSN. I hate it. I don't want to ruin this. I'm scaring myself, though. Well, maybe not scaring. Just getting my hopes up. I keep thinking that she is so amazing and that I wish our relationship will flourish and last a really long time. The problem... We've only been dating a day. Uh, August 29th, 2004. 2.09 p.m. I can't take this. I can't take it. The wounds just throb. And the burn and twist and pain and contort me into something that I'm not. Something I don't want to be. An asshole. A jerk. The door is closed. The music is blaring, and it's just the two of us. The stars still shine, but are unnoticeable because of the one flickering candle lit in the corner of your room. You look at me. Partly in torment, partly in disgust, partly with pride, smile, lean over to kiss me, and instead breathe out, and the candle dies leaving us alone in the screaming darkness, stabbing each other with our insecurities, watching the blood they explode trickle down from our faces, run down our arms and stain your mattress. A stain in the shape of a human heart. Not the Valentine's kind of heart, but a human heart, complete with arteries which have been severed and in turn are bleeding. And through it, a rusty dagger with your initials on it. It just occurred to me that that heart has my name on it. Thank you.
0: Our next reader, Kelsey was also confused and frustrated by teenage love, and she brought along the diary entries to prove it. Now, like Nathan's Live Journal, Kelsey's teenage diary includes some cuss words, which we don't bleep, and it also acknowledges the existence of sex. Okay, here's Kelsey on stage in Vancouver, starting with a diary entry she wrote when she was 15, the day before Valentine's.
4: Uh, February 13th, 2002. I am sick of dreaming, I am sick of hoping, and I am sick of wishing. (laughs) I am done with love. (laughs) Love has never given me a chance, so I'm fed up. Screw love, screw the way I'm feeling inside, screw every fucking chance I've had to be with a guy and turned away. The next chance I get, whoever it is, I'm theirs. Okay, uh, a few months later I wrote, um, Thursday was a good night. Dustin and Anthony were having a party thing, so me and Chantelle and Nicole go. We got a little drunk, and it was real fun. (laughs) I almost got with three guys. (laughs) Okay, this next one I wrote when I was 16. At this moment, I am kind of melancholy. I'm supposed to work on Saturday, I hate work, I'm going to quit. At the moment, my aspiration in life is to be a news broadcaster. Quotations. Hi, I'm Kelsey Ewart, reporting live for Global News. I'm standing here outside the Parliament Building where Prince Harry just arrived. End (laughs) quotations. (laughs) Then I'd interview Prince Harry, or any prince for that matter, and we'd fall in love. (laughs) Then I'd be a princess, I'd be famous, I'd have fallen in love with Prince Charming, who'd, of course, sweep me off my feet, and I'd be royalty. What a life. Okay, um, this is the most humiliating thing in the world. (laughs) Uh, It's a poem, and it's untitled, and to give you some context, I wrote it hours after losing my virginity. (laughs) I don't know if I'll make it through. Um, Okay. (laughs) Uh, The weight of us proclaims its non-existence. The density of the sweaty air between us has no feeling, has no meaning. (laughs) All we see is darkness and patches of skin. All we taste is spit and breaths of whispers (laughs) of what we want, of what we crave. (laughs) Your gliding hand sweeps my unknowing body into shivers, which in return dances onto you. (laughs) If a word was spoken, only the silences in between would be heard. The press of your lips, the passion in your touch, is all that can speak to me now. And as the pain strips my innocence, (laughs) and a triumph appears in your smile, (laughs) our unavailable thoughts linger in this mass of accomplished desires. With eyes shut, with arms draped, an unexplainable urge escapes our still selves.
0: When Garth was 16, he wrote an English exam, and for this exam, students were given a choice of topics, and they had to pick one and then write a short composition. Now one of those topics in particular spoke to Garth, and that was, the truth will make you free. Here's Garth reading that composition written in 1979.
5: The truth will make you free, which is accredited to Jesus in John 8.23. "'Dale, are you gay?' asked a fellow student. "'No, no,' quickly answered Dale. "'You have been hanging around with the guy with the white hair,' answered back the student. Dale turned away. He had been carrying on with the guy with the white hair. Nobody knew. If somebody asked, Dale would just say no and squeeze out of the incident. He kept up a front. "'Hey!' "'I see you're going out with that girl, Carrie. "'You really got a fox!' exclaimed a student. "'Yeah,' answered Dale. "'God, would I like a chick like that?' "'You don't seem very happy,' said the student. "'Oh, I am,' explained Dale. (laughs) "'As more and more people questioned Dale and his partner, Fell, "'more and more the two met in secret. "'People were not sure about Dale.' They asked themselves if he was gay or not, and they were not sure. They did not trust Dale and soon left him. This was nothing to Dale. Dale developed a complex. (laughs) He had great mental conflict. He was a homosexual and did not want to deny it. He could not tell the truth. He did not want to hold a front. He felt that he was trapped. Dale could not do as he pleased. He was always trapped behind the truth. Fell, I was thinking. I don't like living behind a front. Why not tell the truth? I feel trapped behind this front, explained Dale to Fell on one of their meetings. (laughs) Are you crazy? Do you know what people will think of us? Questioned Fell. They will think of us as we really are and not as something we are not answered Dale in a louder voice. Well then, go ahead. Be Mr. Individual, answered (laughs) Fell coldly. (laughs) Dale did tell the truth. People thought of him as unusual, but they began to trust him. He could be himself. The truth made him free. The sad thing about that story is I wrote it three years before I came out and four years before I first had sex. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Garth is in his 50s now, and after the show, out on the street, Garth reflected on what it was like to be 16 and closeted, having just come out to his teacher in an exam.
5: Well, some, a friend of mine inside uh, who is here for the show tonight asked me, um, how did you feel after you wrote it? And it was a great relief because putting it down on paper, I'd been, I'd been telling myself, I, I knew, but I hadn't said it out loud to anyone, um, even so much to myself. I mean, I, I, I knew it inside, but I wasn't saying it. And so the act of putting it down and not only putting it down on paper, for instance, in a diary, but putting it down on paper and making it public um, at least to one person, which was the teacher, um, was actually a huge, huge thing. And, and, and I later became a writer, and I later had a column in the gay newspaper. So uh, I think I kept this thing. Something made me keep this, and I think that probably is true for a lot of the readers. There's a kernel of truth in, 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 in the stories that we told back then, And for me, I think it was that writing is an important way to express myself, and I need to write to understand myself and put myself in a, to understand the context in which I'm living at that particular time.
0: When Andrea was 16, she spent the summer working as a junior ranger, which was a program that gave kids the opportunity to make some money and experience the Canadian North. And that summer, Andrea kept a journal, which describes both her wonder and amazement at the natural landscape and some unusual government-funded make-work projects. Here's Andrea.
6: So July 4th. I left from Union Station in Toronto, boarding the train that would take me away from my normal little life in Windsor to Sioux Lookout. The landscape changed quickly from apartment buildings to open farmland. From there it transformed into forests dotted with glittering blue lakes. Pine trees became the dominant species of tree, their pointed crowns protruding majestically from the green foliage of their deciduous cousins. (laughs) The whole scene spoke of the beauty and the natural elegance of the Canadian landscape. I didn't realize our country held such purity within its borders. Somehow I felt like I was coming home to a wilderness that would welcome me. On that first day, I was filled with optimism for the summer days ahead, July 31st. We went to clean the dump today. That's right, a dump. And guess what we did there? We picked up garbage. Who on earth picks up garbage at a dump? That is where the garbage is supposed to be, for heaven's sake. We had to move garbage that had escaped the confines of the dump to another part of the dump. Oh, and we found some really uncool stuff there. For instance, Sandy stumbled across a moose carcass and spent a good bit of time trying to tear the leg apart so it would fit in her garbage bag. (laughs) My favorite find was a bag of ancient used tampons and pads. Of course, the bag ripped when I tried to pick it up. (laughs) Spilling its contents all over the sand. Not cool. After we had picked up tons of garbage, our supervisor organized dump Olympics. We played discus with frying pans and had garbage bag hauling contests. Our supervisor played shot put with a sink, too. Who knew the dump could be so cool? So... I waited all summer to see the Northern Lights, and I even spent some time sleeping outside, hoping I would catch a glimpse of them. So October 28th, our last day in Sioux Lookout. The final perfect touch to our last night together came at 11 o'clock when the Northern Lights finally made an appearance. They put on a spectacular show. They looked like a colored haze spreading across the sky. They created spirals above us and changed from blue to pink to green. You could see the stars through the light and meteors sped through the darkness. The show continued for an hour, and I stood on a picnic table just trying to comprehend the intense beauty being laid out before me. Tears of joy spilled over my face and blurred the vision of the aurora borealis. I have never felt such an intense welling of emotion, and I have never seen nature produce such an amazing display. It is a night I will never forget. And at the end of my journal from that summer, I include a list of 50 things I learned at ranger camp, and I'm including a few highlights. Scissors work in place of a lawnmower. Romance novels make great bedtime stories. It's bad to use an electric razor right after being read a steamy excerpt from a romance novel because people will draw dirty conclusions. (laughs) Don't put on a ring of birch bark and pretend it's a tube top. You may get stuck and people will have to cut you out. (laughs) Leeches are fun to play with. Shaving is overrated, hell, personal hygiene is overrated. When you drop a canoe in a bee's nest, run. When you're at an all-girls camp, all guys suddenly seem to have potential. And the very last lesson, the world is your bathroom. Thank you.
0: When Frank was seven, he wrote a handful of short stories which were collected together in a construction paper book. Frank's dad saved that book and gave it back to him about 10 years ago. And then Frank brought it to our Vancouver show to share on stage. Reading a few selections from My Good Stories, originally written in 1963, here's Frank.
7: Learning to skate. Once I went to a skating party There was a clown. I asked him if he would skate with me, and he said no. (laughs) So I put a bull on the ice, and I gave the clown a red rag. The bull came after the clown. He never went after the rag. (laughs) The next story is called The First Snow. I played in the snow. I was having a snow fight against the girls. I got hit one time, but the next time, I ducked. <laughs> the next story's called, Why a Monkey Has a Long Tail. <laughs> long, long ago, there was a monkey who had a short tail. He was going swimming. He stuck his tail in to see how cool it was. There was a fish who had a toy monkey's tail. And do you know what happened? (laughs) The fish snapped it on the monkey's tail. It hurt, and the monkey ran home to his mother. (laughs) And I'm going to finish with my happiest memory. Remember, I was seven when I wrote this. My happiest memory is when we went to Lac Lejeune. When we were swimming, there was a leech, suck some blood from me. <laughs> we stayed for five days. <laughs>
0: From the ages of 13 to 15, our next reader, Megan, had an ongoing crush on a guy named Brad, and she wrote about him extensively in her diary.
8: As of the last three weeks, I've really come to like Brad. The reasons I like Brad is he never makes me feel uncomfortable (laughs) or makes fun of me. Even some of my girlfriends make fun of me, a.k.a. Jesse. (laughs) A few weeks later, I wrote, oh my gosh, what have I done? Brad Watt came over after school today and we played basketball. Brad stayed to help me with my French. We called the girl I'm helping him hook up with. And then he said, come sit on my lap. (laughs) And then I said, fine, and he gave me a hug and I was making fun of his way of getting with me. So I kissed his cheek and he looked at me and then said, I so want to kiss you right now. Then I said something and we ended up making out right there on the dining room chair. Whoa, I am so dirty. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to think. Oh, so wrong, wrong, wrong. But I'm so wanting to do it again. Well, not wanting to do it again, but would, might do it again. But oh, it's so wrong. Tennis trip, here we come. That's where I see it happening again. I'm so bad, smiley face.
0: <laughs>
8: that night I proceeded to add Brad Walk to my kiss list, marked best yet beside it. <laughs> a few weeks later, what do you do if you can't get over someone and like a person who doesn't deserve to be liked by you? Well, let's just say, to keep it simple, I got who I wanted. I had the best kiss ever and the best movie perfect ever. No one knows except for Aaron, Mom, and Dad. It's my biggest kept secret ever. (laughs) And now it's done and I can't get over him and he doesn't deserve it. Yet a little part of me can't slash doesn't want to get over him. (sighs) Life is so hard when you've had who you always wanted. Smiley face. In a new entry. Brad and Marcella have been going out ever since our little happening, unsmiley-faced. Aww. A few weeks later. Well, the week goes on. I see Brad and I miss what was there before. Even if it wasn't much at all, I still miss it. There just feels like no motive to go to school. <laughs> no guys worth trying to impress, et cetera. I get flashes of the night Brad and I, and it just doesn't feel good. He really doesn't deserve this much thought or attention. I need to stop moping. If this is all I have to feel bad about, I guess I've got a pretty sweet life. It also feels like there's no more possibilities, but whatever, I guess. And this entry, I have to assume, was around the time that the grade nine version of me knows that Brad and his girlfriend had been going out for what seems like forever, and I was pretty sure they were gonna get married. So I just wrote, Brad isn't man enough for me. And I don't know when I wrote this, I just it's listed under, just so you don't forget. You need to find someone who makes you feel happy and good about yourself, and not the good about yourself that means they always give you compliments, but they make you feel good about yourself just by being with them. I should note that I'm now 30, and I did in fact find somebody that made me feel that good about myself. And even though when I was 15, there was no way of telling who that person would have been, it actually ended up being Brad Watt,
6: and he's here tonight.
0: Not only did Megan and Brad end up together as adults, and he was in the audience, but Brad had never heard megan's teenage diary entries about him i caught up with megan and brad after the show out on the street
3: i hadn't heard it so that was that was the first time i had heard it as well
0: does it line up with your memory from that time
3: yeah exactly what happened is, is that i like i pulled her onto my lap and she kissed my cheek and then we made out and it was awesome it, it totally was Why did you keep it all secret?
8: Well, I love him, but it doesn't mean I'm going to tell him everything. (laughs) So, yeah, he doesn't need to know my diaries. I don't know. I felt like he should find out when everybody else (laughs) found out
0: that is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids our show was recorded live at electric owl in vancouver bc our music is by Poddington bear and if all of this sounds like fun to you we would love for you to be part of a live grown-ups read things they wrote as kids event to find out when we're coming to your town for a live show sign up for our newsletter you can do that at grown read things they wrote as kids.com i'm dan meisner thanks for listening